0: Wow! Welcome. We're live. Young jerks. Mike Crawford rained on. I'm the host. Soaked. Yeah, I really, I'm soaked. But it's okay. We got a huge, great show today. Really happy. Um, one thing. I don't think our phone lines are going to be working. Unfortunately, we're expecting some good phone calls today. Six one seven seven zero two two five four two. Put it in your phone right now, just in case. You never know. We're going to try to get that going, but right now they're not up. But we can. Get your instant feedback, your questions, all of that on our Facebook page, The Young Jerks. Also on Twitter, at The Young Jerks. Uh, we got two great guests. I want to get right to that. So we're going to introduce them right now. I'm still like, just like getting stuff water off my beard. And yeah, we're, 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 some of us are a little wetter than others. Uh, But we have two great guests. I want to get right to it. Uh, They're both running for city council and uh, their respective cities. Uh, one is a return guest. I'm going to screw up her name again. She's going to kill me.
1: Mm-hmm. Don't even try it. Let me help you out. Uh,
0: Julia for Boston on Facebook. <laughs> Easy. Her name is Julia Mahia.
1: That's not bad, Mahia. <laughs> Mahia. 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 Good job. <laughs> Cla- <laughs> good job. I appreciate Tap you. Pat me on the
0: head. Just uh, give me a little like. Good job. Uh, I appreciate you. In second grade, I, I had the speech impediment, and I did a whole year of you know one-on-one. Yeah. And now I host a show. So I, I always tell people, you can do anything.
1: That's right. Like,
0: I, I can't. You can tell. I have speech <laughs> issues, and I host a show, and we've been going for more than five years now, so. You're doing a good job. Something. I mean, you can get over your That's issues.
1: Right. Uh, absolutely not. And and just to your defense, it's not just you. It's everyone that I have to everyone. correct. So not just me? Not just you. So yeah, I but it's
0: me every week on... Like everybody's <laughs> names, like this is like a recurring thing. And if you watch the show, you know it's my I, I wake up at night like just you know, bad dreams. Oh wow. Saying people's names wrong the we whole show.
1: You well I, you know the politics. ones that
0: bother me most is when people don't correct me. Oh. And so then I like it you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if the if the person doesn't want to like embarrass you. Oh. It's like no, if I'm screwing up the name, tell me. <laughs> because oh, listeners is. are listening at home going he's screwing up the name <laughs> no one's acknowledging all right so the other guest who's uh, you know i'm really happy julia's back uh thank you i just want to give you a round of applause for your results in the pre- prelim you, you've made the finals that
1: was crazy one of the top five for yes first time candidate with no political huge inside game or name recognition in boston where in boston, it's boston. really Would name you? recognition and old time old school yeah we were really surprised. I still think to this day, we're like, wow. But I think people are excited about what we're trying to build and how we're working. And so. I see,
0: I'm watching every day on Facebook yeah. and I see how hard you're working and, and, and different people out there yeah. campaigning for you, door knocking <laughs> for you and you're doing it every day.
1: Yeah. We have a long term strategy, right? So it's not just about the selection, it's really about building the foundation to build black and brown political power mm-hmm. and helping low income communities recognize that their vote does matter. So this is really about creating that sense of urgency in those communities. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is our main objective is how do we activate people who have been left out of every conversation.
0: Very exciting. And yep. November 5th.
1: Yep, I'm number four on the ballot.
0: They can uh, vote for you. City Council at large in Boston, City right. of Boston.
1: Yep. So no matter where in the city of Boston you live, you can vote for me. And I just want to reiterate, I'm number four on the ballot. You get four votes. So I just asked mm-hmm. for one of your four on November 5th. And Definitely. it's Julia Mejia. My yeah, that's right. Thank you, <laughs> and Julia for Boston on Facebook. That's you can right.
0: definitely follow her on Twitter too. You're Twitter,
1: in, Julia for Boston on all media social media handles. Right. Yep,
0: and you're everywhere, uh, and we also have a first-time guest who uh, we really want to thank because we had a parking situation out there. We didn't have a parking spots. It's raining. We had have parked down the street. Oh. She of rained on, but we're here. And her name is Amanda Linahan. Yes, correct. Running for Malden Ward Three. Yep.
2: No, that's the west side of Malden, so the side that's on the Medford border, um, all the way from the two train stations all the way west, so happy to be here.
0: And I'm really happy to have you, too, because I've been following your campaign as well and yeah. really two awesome candidates, so uh, we're happy to have you. You know, I, I noticed some, like, it's, Malden's a weird, we've been noticing <laughs> and noting some weird stuff going on politically, locally, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, it started for us recently in Haverhill about cannabis really uh you know a a woman applicant who's getting harassed by some men and getting Mm. sued and just some crap that's going on in that city and then seeing some stuff that's going on in revere Mm -hmm. and watching malden for a long time and kind of knowing some of the key players in malden are you feeling some of that i mean it feels like there's kind of some pushback where i want to say old school men Connected men are not happy that there's like, you know, new things happening. Women are getting elected. Women are running good campaigns. Yep. Have you felt any of that in uh, the city of Malden, Amanda? Yeah,
2: I think we see that everywhere. You know, I have a lot of uh, women friends who are running for office around the state. And I think one great thing about knowing so many other women who are in the same boat is that we can commiserate. Um, but I really wish we didn't have to. I wish that, you know, there wasn't an old boys' network to fight. Um, but it also is inspiring and energizing. I think, uh, you know, Malden is no different from a lot of other cities in the region right now. It's growing in a lot of ways. It's changing, um, the demographics are changing a lot. And, you know, I think we, when there's an open seat, it's a good thing to have people running that are a new voice, and I definitely hope to be one of those new voices. Um, having said that, I think I'd like to see more people of color running in Malden. We definitely aren't there yet. And uh, I'm just trying to be part of a positive change, bring some newer, younger voices. You know, I have a child in the schools and there aren't a lot of people with kids in the schools. There aren't a lot of women in politics in Malden. And um, I've been getting a great reception, so I'm really excited about the campaign that we're running. And, you know, election day is one week away and I hope that we come out with the win that we're hoping for.
0: And what are some of the issues, I guess, for both of you that you're hearing from constituents? Like, what are are they interested in in Malden and in Boston?
2: Well, I think in Malden, um, as I said, it's a city that's growing a lot, so definitely the pressures from the housing market are huge. Um, we're seeing a lot of displacement, we're seeing a lot of you know, affordability challenges, rent hikes, um, and that ranges from seniors who are trying to downsize and have nowhere to go to younger folks trying to move in or college-age people who have graduated and are trying to find their first apartment or buy their first home, and they really can't do that. And so Malden is a place that we, you know have to take seriously some of our housing challenges I think hand in hand with that is some challenges with our transportation system you know we've got a lot of great bus routes I think there are buses that we could do more with we have two great train stations and we have a lot of people who ride the train every day Um, but we don't have a really great bus uh, and bike and pedestrian network feeding into it so it's a place where although we're very close to Boston and a lot of people in Malden work in Boston it's very challenging to not own a car in Malden and you know as someone who has done all those commutes I've been a a walking commuter a bike commuter a bus commuter I take the train every day you know I'm really eager to be a voice for transit riders Um, Malden is also a city that is majority renter and majority low income and the reality is that a lot of those folks cannot afford to have a car and don't want to and um, that's something that I really feel strongly that I can bring to the table that to represent those voices Um, so you've got the housing market you've got the transportation system and then we have a lot of growth in our schools and I think a lot of people really want to make our schools the best they can be Um, they don't have a voice as much on the City Council and so I'm hoping to add to that and then just want to be a really transparent you know very communicative
1: um, voice for the neighborhood
0: thank you that's Amanda Linehan running for Malden Ward 3 City Council and uh, Julia
1: yeah so I would I would have to echo Mm -hmm. the same in terms of housing Um, Boston is feeling that crunch I mean actually we've been feeling it forever hasn't people are calling it a crisis but I think we've been in crisis mode for the last 20 years Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of displacement a lot of the parents that I work with have had to move to Brockton and outside of Boston and those Parents are still working in Boston, so there's a lot of issues around commuting and, hardship and you know, further financial hardship. Um, but aside from housing, you know, obviously education is one of those things that no matter what city you happen to live in, education is a big deal. Um, one of the things that I hear a lot on the doors is really around issues around violence mm. in, in Boston. Um, you know, every day we're dodging bullets and there's a lot of racial tension in the city of Boston that has yet to be resolved. So I think that there is um, some, some work that we can do in that space. And then the other is um, transparency in city government. Oftentimes I feel like things are being done to us, not with us. And so I believe nothing about us. Without us is for us. Um, and so really creating community-centered approaches to how we do um, how development in the city of Boston. I'm supporting an elected school board because there's really no voice that space for parents or educators or even students and really looking at how do we um, increase diversity in boards and commissions because usually it's appointed by the mayor and he has the final say with everything I think that we need to reevaluate who's making the decision in terms of who's gonna have a seat at the table and who's not so I think those are the issues that um, are top priority for a lot of the folks that we come in contact with when we're knocking on doors does that,
0: does that um, you talked about development too because um, mm. that's come up with uh, Michelle Wu, yeah. I believe, talking abolish. about, yeah, abolishing. I forget what you call the it. The BRA. No.
1: It's really the yeah. BRA. It's, uh, the the renamed guys. BRA. <laughs> yeah, the alleged BRA, you know, the new name, but it's still the BRA in many people's minds, right? So I think that um, that's definitely something that has a lot of appetite for. I think what's important for us to also look at is making sure it's not just abolishing, but how do we redesign the system in a way that's going to really work for people. Um, that we need to put some checks check and balances in place and mm-hmm. create maybe even a civilian uh, review board for zoning Right making it hyper local where residents are designing the type of housing that they want to see in their mm-hmm. neighborhoods Instead of developers coming around our way and say here here. What do you think about this? react to it um, really creating opportunities for residents to design the type of um, Housing that they would like to see, and then I see I hear an echo. I hope that's okay.
0: I know it went up right. right. Like, hey, we, wow. all went, we all went. <laughs> the- I
1: think I exploded. Everyone <laughs> earlobes here, Mason. What are you doing to us? Um, but yeah, I think that, and, and no matter where in the city of Boston I door knock, whether it's Charlestown or Back Bay or Dorchester, you know it's a common theme that people do not feel like they're part of the planning process. So creating hyper local. Infrastructure for design and and planning, I think, is one of the things that I'd like to see um, done.
0: Now, um, there was, you you mentioned racial tension too. Mm. There was a story that came out this week. uh, Tim McCarthy, Boston City Council, right now, not running for reelection, but uh, Boston City Councilor Tim McCarthy. And the the headline is Tim McCarthy Brags About Running Against Women and Minorities. It was uh, in Boston Magazine by Spencer Buell. Uh, it was a video that uh, a friend of mine on Twitter, Chip uh, Goons, uh, Goons, I'm, I'm not even really sure how to say Chip's name. At uh, Chippa <laughs> is what I call him, Chippa. Chippa posted it, and uh, basically, Tim McCarthy is at a, the prelim. I, I think everyone has, well, a lot of people have seen this by now, but he's giving a speech uh, for one of the candidates in the ward uh, that he's giving up, and he says, Tim McCarthy... Uh, this is what actually Tim McCarthy said he said we ran against women we ran against minorities <laughs> We ran against nonsense people because they don't have boots on the ground
1: mm. wow. uh, I would like to know who the nonsense people are and what does that exactly mean and I would also have to um, clarify that there's nothing minor about people of um, diverse backgrounds so I don't really prescribe to the word minority because there's nothing minor about yeah. us so I think that there's there's a level of education that um, we need to do in that space. I
0: think maybe he was talking about me. Yeah, I don't oh, know. One of the nonsense people. Uh, yeah, well, hey, I don't know, think he knows uh, me, though. Yeah, but,
1: because, you know, Boston right now, we're a majority, minority, quote-unquote, city, right? And so I think that we need to, that's why I'm running on making sure that we build black and brown political power in the city of Boston because who represents us really does matter. And I think that um, there's a lack of cultural competency mm-hmm. in that statement that was made.
0: I definitely think so. And uh, I think it only helps uh, Ricardo Arroyo, yeah. who, I, you know, I, I definitely support. I know his whole family. Uh, I, I, I hope Ricardo wins bigger now. I yeah. mean, we'll see what happens in that race. But yeah. I don't think it helped the candidate that Tim McCarthy was behind. We'll see what happens, though.
1: We'll see. Well, I mean, you know, if you know Boston, there's – there's a lot of history there i mean i the last time i was here i think i mentioned that i survived the busing era right there's a lot of residue from that space right. in that time and i think that but we have an opportunity to really um do some restorative justice mm-hmm. in yeah. that space
0: i mean there's so many conversations happening too on online social media mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because tim mccarthy basically isn't there um, again it shows you who, he's comfortable saying that in front of a bunch of white friends that's basically what it was, a crowd of white people, um, nativists, which I'll call them, because that's what they are. I'm, you know, when I say white white guys, I'm a white guy, all right? I'm not talking about every white person, but there's a certain type, and we know, you know, we see it in Boston. Uh, I mean, this is like uh, Monica Cannon Grant was talking this week about uh the Charles Stewart thing yeah. mm-hmm. and and how they're, you know, trying to celebrate the wife who, you know, was a victim of domestic violence. Definitely. Mm. But, you know, let's let's talk about what happened to the black gentleman and, and everyone in the city of Boston that was a person of color when they were looking for the black man who they alleged did the, you know, did the crime. Um, and, and it's just like that that doesn't get talked about celebrated it's just that there's a certain place where you can talk about your victims but other victims don't get brought up at all and the city
1: you you see that in the news when every day we lose a loved one right Mm -hmm. what kind of airplay that we get I mean look at um, the Boston Marathon there was so many dollars poured into trauma-informed practices I mean I get it but when our kids are dropping like flies out here nobody's doing anything about it there's no rapid response there's no dollars being poured into our communities with that same sense of urgency right and i think it's that it's that business as usual mentality that we have in the city of boston where our lives um seem like an afterthought and i think that this is where for me as a convener um, because i'm an afro-caribbean latina i'm able to navigate in different spaces i really do have a sense of urgency around bringing people together across our differences because we can't keep having the same conversation in um, sidebar conversations with only the people who we're hanging out with. Right. right. We're going to need to get real about these things and what are we going to do to make sure that we increase black wealth in the city of Boston. But those are hard conversations. No one's trying to give up their power. And I think that this is where the buck stops. and This is where the opportunity exists in terms of how do we shift. Mm-hmm this conversation
0: thank you so much i was speaking at julia uh, running for boston city Councilor at large you can vote for her anywhere in boston on november 5th tuesday november 5th a week from this tuesday she's going to be on the ballot it's julia mejia
1: good job mike
0: (laughs) and it's spelled m e j i a
1: i'm going to call you miguel what is it? Miguel. McGinn.
0: McGinn. Miguel. Miguel, that's fine. Yeah. I like that. That's, give me a nickname. Nice. Miguel. Yeah, <laughs> <it's easy. laughs> you can call me anything, Julia. Yeah, I'm just joking. I want to give out the phone number 617-702-2542 but it's not working right now. But we're, we'll try. We're, we're seeing what we can do. Wow, we have a lot of listeners right mm-hmm. now. I think we're breaking a record for our, our our reboot of the show since we've been in the studio, the new studio and the new time and the new day. So. Wow. Yeah, You guys, are, I, I want to see what people are saying because we got the, uh, a, f- a few different things. Like when i look looking at the phone, I'm not ignoring you. I'm, I'm it's just, all good. I want to see, see what people are, uh, you know, if they have any questions for us or any, any of that because we do have a lot of listeners right now. Um, but speak, you know, when we were talking about the racial thing and Tim McCarthy, you know, a lot of people, their response on Twitter, like, um, I don't want to forget his name, but uh, Notorious Vogue he got up there and said, you know, I'm not surprised, Mm. you know, it's just like, this is just, it happens too often. Mm. And we're not surprised. It's not even, it's nothing for us because we've seen this happen so many times, but for, you know, a lot of us, though, when we see a city counselor, even though he's leaving office, he's still a city counselor. Mm -hmm. He's in office right now in a city like Boston Mm. where you think it's more progressive, this isn't like a, you know, some other city like Haverhill or you know something further away Mm -hmm. this is supposed to be the most progressive the it's the you know largest black community I would say Mm -hmm. in Boston I mean Boston has to be it yeah, and you this can't stuff take for granted, oblivious. right?
2: That's one of the things we talk about a lot on our campaign is that you can't take for granted that you live in a liberal state or that you live in a place where, you know, certain rights should be protected or that certain things shouldn't be said. And one of the things that I run into as someone who is is white and comes on doors, you know, I'll have older white folks say things to me like, well, you understand how our people came here the right way or, mm. you know, you understand why we need to make sure that certain c- groups don't come in and buy the housing and there's too many and, you know, it's it's really, it's still out there. It yeah. still is very overt, and I think, you know, as a white person, it's important for me to be challenging and pushing back, and not just nodding along, because I think the easy thing to do, right, is to oh, say, oh, mm-hmm, okay, and then just try to back yourself out of the situation. But when you're on doors and you're trying to run and be part of a change, you can't just sort of nod along and let those comments go, that's because that's right. how the power structure stays, the same way. And you know, they're making a lot of assumptions about me, um, but I'm not gonna be one of those people who says, oh, yeah, sure, I, I know what you mean. Yes, I'm this, I'm that. Um, but it absolutely still happens, and it is shocking, and it's, it's honestly more than I thought that it would when I mm-hmm. started the process. But you know, if people don't push back and don't try to get out there and shift that narrative, then it's never, it's never gonna change, and the power structure will stay the same.
1: That's right. You know, and I would have to, um, I hate to go on the federal level, but real quick. I think that in 2016 when Trump won, he kind of really set the stage for hate. Mm -hmm. Um, My daughter was six at the time and I was afraid to wake her up. Mm -hmm. And the first question that she asked me was, if we were gonna have to leave the country? So my mom was undocumented for a period of time, but she became a US citizen and is a super voter now. I wasn't born in this country and she's the first generation to be born here. So the fact that that was the first thing that she Mm -hmm. um, was worried about speaks to me about the work that we need to do in this city mm-hmm. and also in this country but given Boston's long history in yeah. the issues around race I feel like this is where the opportunity lies mm-hmm. to really utilize this as a way to kind of figure out what are we going to do mm-hmm. on a local level but that can also set the you know the platform for a national um, conversation about how we're going to really come across our differences together to so that everyone feels that they can move forward which is one of the reasons why I focus my campaign around social, economic status mm-hmm. and class, because race is one thing, but no one ever talks about poverty. And I think that when you start really looking at who has the dollars and who doesn't, mm-hmm. then we are able to remove some of those barriers. Um, because I think it's just so, it's it's bigger than race. It's and money. I, it's money, and no one's really talking about that, right? Right. And that's what what keeps us pitted against each other. But at the end of the day, if we all get real with it, there's some who have, and there's a the lots who have not. Mm-hmm and that's the conversation that we have yet to have in a way that's really going to, you know, make other folks feel real uncomfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm glad we're having this conversation today on so many levels the fear part because I think myself and you know just so many people we don't have that experience. Mm-hmm. When someone, you know, the APB comes out that they're looking for a black man that killed Charles Stewart's wife, we don't have fear. When Trump gets elected, mm. you know, there is some fear, a little bit, I gotta oh. admit, even with <laughs> Trump, for me, right. you know, because <laughs> I am Mr. Left-Wing Liberal at this point, you know, but I don't think it's just, you know, for the average person, yeah. and even for me, I don't think it's the same Level as your child where you're talking about, you know,
1: yeah. people
0: being deported yeah. and people being rounded up, even citizens now, they're rounding yeah. up, <laughs> trying to deport right. them, they're citizens, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, based on skin color, based on money, based okay. on where you live,
1: right? yeah and the That's local
2: does matter, I think, to your point about the cultural competency, I think if you don't start on the local level trying to get real about those things, then it doesn't it doesn't change, and you have to pull people in who haven't had that lived experience to help them understand what that is, what, you're, what the people right around you are mm-hmm. going through, right? That's
1: right, that's right, that's right. I think cultural competency and proficiency I think is the best place mm-hmm. to start and I think that oftentimes we spend lots of money in hiring outside consultants from Harvard University to do research studies, <laughs> but in reality, you could just be paying us. We can <laughs> train you on how to be better to us, BPD and other, you know, institutions in the city of Boston, but I think that, you know, this is where the opportunity lies to so really push
0: I, that kills me because, <laughs> you know, I, I run, we, you know, the one thing I run in this space is this show, right? Yeah. And so we've been doing this five years. The last people I want to talk to about these issues are people from Harvard.
1: I know. Mm. Do you but know they're the ones mean? who are getting the mega bucks to I know. come out and do training. It's like, mm. and research. It's
0: a, like, how do we learn? We bring people in from the community. That's how I, I learn mm-hmm. every single time.
1: That's how it should be. You
0: know? And that's why, like, You know, when people don't respect me in my community, which is mostly being the medical cannabis patient leader, Mm -hmm. like, I'm like, what are you crazy? Have you talked to a thousand patients? Like, so that's the way I treat all the community leaders that come in. And that's the way it should be. And that's what drives me crazy about the cannabis scene so much because they don't carry it over to other causes a Mm. lot of times. And it's like, if you see the stigma and the the bias and How can't you figure it out that you're doing the same thing to women, that you're doing the same thing to people of color, they are doing to, to athletes who get disqualified because they're wearing a religious head covering, and if it was a you know a a kid that maybe their parent was a school committee member or you know rich, that wouldn't happen to. But
1: but
0: I want to get into money too because this is a. I love that because that that is It's it's that's that's, where everything. That's where it is. White, black, Listen. yellow, it doesn't matter who you are. It's about money. It's it really It's about
1: is. class.
0: How do we change Social. that? How can you as a city councilor, yeah, so, both of you, like how yeah. do you cuz housing yeah. obviously is like I think the big key to a lot of this but what are the like how how do we i think
1: in boston what we need to do is have a hyperlocal way of how we define what ami is which is the area medium income right now it we we look at brookline and other surrounding towns in the city of boston but boston is rich on paper but we're dead poor and so i would love to see something where we look at how much you're making in Mattapan as opposed to the south end. Like That's how hyper-local I wanna Mm. be so that we can really look at the AMI from that lens. But one of the things that I recently proposed is that one of the things that I'd like to do when I win, because I'm speaking it into existence, is um is create a um a anti poverty commission, mm. where we're really looking at the role that uh, the city plays and making sure that we're really working with people to get out of poverty, mm. um and holding big businesses accountable. If you're gonna come do business in the city of Boston, then we have some prerequisites for you. What that's gonna look like and how you're going to pour money and resources into low income communities, like mm. really being intentional about um how we disrupt the cycle of poverty in the city of Boston. But I think that you gotta utilize your bully pulpit, right? You gotta work with state um, state legislators uh, around passing bills on mm-hmm. the state level that also impact us locally. So I think really convening other folks who are doing this work um, to, to hold the city accountable in many ways, hold ourselves accountable mm-hmm. um, to the blah, blah, blah that we talk about when we're campaigning, right? Because we can't do it by ourselves. You know, you have to work in partnership with nonprofit organizations, with how, with um, shelters, like really doing a full assessment of what it really looks like. If you look at in the city of Boston, the, um, the wealth gap um, for a black man is $8. Mm-hmm. That is atrocious, right? I can't believe that we can even say something like that in this day and age. So we need to be really real about how we're going to disrupt the cycle of poverty in the city of Boston um, and have the political will to do whatever it takes um, to hold ourselves accountable to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the things that I am committed to doing as a city councilor.
2: Yeah, and I think in Malden, we have a lot to learn from Boston, but at the same time, it's a very different community. You know, we yeah. are sort of at the forefront of that wave of gentrification and displacement that has come out. I mean, yeah. I've certainly been part of that, gone from Cambridge to Somerville to, to now Malden. And, you know, you sort of see the same patterns happening of outside money coming in, um, houses turning over really fast, getting bought up, getting flipped. And then all of a sudden a lot of people can't find somewhere to live and so it's a very predictable cycle and i Mm -hmm. one of the big motivators for me running is that i feel like we are at a point now where we actually can do something about it you know we haven't been overrun by airbnb yet we aren't you know the median rent in the city isn't as high as cambridge and somerville yet we still have a point now where we could do something about it if we just put our heads together Mm -hmm. looked at you know you don't have to reinvent the wheel there's good policies out there that we can emulate from other communities that have been through this in recent years Um, and I'd love for us to take that seriously and really own the leverage that we have as a community. I think one thing that I found that's interesting on DOORS is that Malden, there's a lot of very new people, and there's a lot of people who've grown up there. And mm-hmm. obviously, both of those voices count just as much in politics that have very different views about what we should do to address oh, yeah. the right. housing market. Yep. And it's a huge challenge for me. You know, my day job is in housing policy, mm-hmm. so I have a deep understanding of some of the policy levers, but I also understand some of the messaging pitfalls that you can find yourself trapped by. Um, and as much as I have that knowledge going in, I'm still very challenged on doors trying to help people understand, you know, if you do nothing, It'll only get Get worse. worse. And if you want, you know, people will say to me, well, I really want to create jobs and working class jobs. um, And I'm sick of all these luxury apartments. And so there's an opportunity there to show the disconnect, right? If you create jobs for people that make 80% AMI, Mm -hmm. then if there's no housing for them, they're not going to be here in the community for those homes anymore. If the jobs are there, they still can't find anywhere to live. You know, you've you've made a policy mismatch where that's a problem that we can prevent. And so that's a huge motivator for me to be in, to try to do some of the things that I think we could do now before it's too late, frankly.
1: yeah.
0: Um, it, it's interesting because Malden, we went and covered a protest. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, City, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I always screw up that name. City, city Life Vita Urbana. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I was there. You were there, yeah. I was, You were yeah. there. And I interviewed the mayor. I yeah. uh, actually before I even get to the question, I guess I want to ask you, are you supporting Christensen or are you supporting uh math I'm, all, I'm a, all in for Christensen. 100%. Me, me too. <laughs> me too. I mean I, I was gonna say maybe I'm uh I'm totally neutral just in case we can get a debate next you know, week between the, them. But it's, it's, one week it's away. pretty obvious. <laughs> I'm voting Time to make for some I, I'm not I'm not voting, but I'm supporting Christensen. I'm not in his city, but um okay, so we're supporting Christensen. Um, but there was this uh, a rally where mm-hmm. basically this landlord came in, bought a building, raised everyone's rent overnight 50%. Wow. Uh, when the tenants, you know, and he said, if you can't afford it, you just, you know, look for a new place to live. And people started looking for apartments. And every other apartment in Malden was the same price. Yep. And guess who actually owned all those apartments? The same they gentleman. Mm-hmm. There's like two or three owners that own most of the apartments. Yeah. In Cambridge, uh, I'm sorry, Malden. Um, and this happens in a lot of cities where they're buying up hundreds, if not thousands, of apartments mm-hmm. and then setting the market rate 50% higher and then telling everyone, no, oh, that's just the market rate. Right. Um, so, you know, obviously rent control comes up. A lot of people don't like rent control. They look back at the 70s and 80s and, yeah. and they worry about the issues that happen there. But rent control obviously is a, is a they're having a big rally for it this week. It, it's definitely a popular issue. Uh, I guess I would ask do you support that? Mm. And secondly, should we just say, hey, you know what? You can't raise rents 50% on existing tenants. That's just not, there should be a limit yeah. like on uh, how much you can actually raise the rent. I mean, I understand that costs are going up. Right. Uh, you know, I own a condo. We, we pay, you know, all the fees everyone else does, the property taxes, everything's going up, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, homeowners are paying more right I'm sure the landlords are paying more but they're they're not losing money they're making more money by just jacking up the rents 50 percent
2: right and it's a complex problem because you know I think rent control isn't a, it's not a one-stop solution right we could I'm certainly open to exploring rent control control again but I think Some of the things that uh, happened in the 70s that made the state wanna look at abolishing it, I think if it's not packaged with a suite of other solutions, I don't think rent control alone is gonna solve all our problems at this point. Um, Certainly open to talking about it, but I think we need to be a little bit bolder. Um, You know, Private property is private property, but you also as a city can step in and try to advocate and try to plan a little bit so that the housing stock that you need is there. you know i I commend the Mayor in Malden for trying to find a solution in this scenario. obviously, it would have been better to have seen this you know a couple years ago and tried to plan a little bit more for it or more aggressively um, but we we have the market that we have now, and I think trying to get right into that speculative aspect of the housing market is going to be huge for us. Um, I think there are ways that you can fund affordable housing in the city where the city could actually be a partner and help either take some of those at-risk properties off the market and then help match them with people who need an affordable place, um, or also just, you know, being, being more overt about what we want and what we don't want for the future of the city. I think that goes a long way. And for a long time, Malden has been a very affordable place to live. And then I think we signaled that we weren't watching out for our housing market as well as we could have. And unfortunately, developers have taken advantage of that. Um, So while you can't go back and change the past, I think we do still have a lot of opportunities moving forward. And I, you know, I commend everyone in City Hall who's trying to catch up and I commend all the advocates who are trying to push the city and I think that that's definitely needed and I think it will have an
1: impact if we all work together and quickly. Thank you, Amanda. Yeah, so I I support rent control. I think that um, what happened in the 70s is very different. Mm -hmm. We're in a different time. I think that we have for far too long have allowed things to just get out of control in the city of Boston. So I think that rent control can help stabilize a lot of these issues Mm -hmm. that we face. Um, But one of the things that I'm really pushing for Oh, is that mine? <laughs> oh, God. Is that you? No. I don't know. We're we getting know. an echo. Um,
0: Yeah, is that you? Maybe it's me. I don't know. No, it's not me. I don't know. We're getting a random echo. Okay, okay. So, huh. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay, let me just close all of this because I think it's me. Julia's okay. phone's on the feed. That's yeah. What yeah. So, um, sorry everybody out there disrupting your earlobes. Um. So, so, but what one of the things that I'm really looking at is how do we support smaller um, mom and pop landlords? Mm. Because when you think about rent control, the, these are the folks that are oftentimes the most <laughs> who are going to be most vulnerable to whatever comes down the pipeline. So, how do we create policy to ensure that? We're supporting our smaller landlords by providing them tax incentives and additional subsidies um, so that they can reduce their rents in ways that they're not going to end up losing their homes right so being really thoughtful about that process i think the people who i'm always thinking about are those who are making um making money off the backs of the people. Mm -hmm. And so corporate uh, landlords and big developers when it comes to rent control, those are the folks that I'm really targeting (laughs) in that space. Um, But I think, and I've said this before in the the last time I was here, is that you know I don't think we're gonna build ourselves out of this crisis, right? Mm -hmm. So um, while I'm pushing for a 50% IDP, which is the inclusion of their development policy in the city of Boston, I'm pushing for 50 because right now it's at 13%. A lot of my colleagues are pushing for 20 because the idea is, is that you know, um, my, my thinking is, is if we push for 50, we might get 30, mm. but if we only ask for 20, we're gonna be lucky if we get 18, right? And I, I don't think yeah. that's what the city of Boston needs. So I think being bolder and more aggressive about the inclusionary development policy um, increases where I'm at right now in terms of um, coupling that with some of the rent control.
0: Now the 50%, uh, I've seen housing advocates criticize that yeah. I'm sure you have, too, on Twitter, saying that it's too much. That, yeah. that, that well, it look, look at Ocasio.
1: Like <laughs> Ocasio has this big green do new deal. Nobody's, Everybody's like, oh, but you know what? If you want things to change, you have to ask for the type of change that you want. Right. You can't start by asking for the minimum. Yeah. You have to go hard. You know, I,
0: and I noticed that those housing advocates didn't, I, maybe they didn't listen to when you came on the show, because when they posted that, the first thing I thought of is, she said that's our starting point. <laughs> like they didn't they just mentioned fifty percent and I'm just like
1: Because here's the deal, if those folks are still were, listening out there, let me yeah. just tell you, right? Yeah. We cannot afford incremental change. Right. We have to focus on the type of change that we need in the city of Boston. And right now, people can no longer afford to live there. That's right. Mm-hmm. So we need to hold developers accountable because if you're not building for us, then who are you building for? Mm-hmm. Right. This is why we're getting displaced. We're being sold out and priced out every single day out of Boston. And even if it's 50%, they still get a 50% profit. Right. So it's not like there they're not going to decide not to build. And if anything, you know what? If we want to be bold, then let's just put a moratorium p- on building. Right. And let's just all pause. Yeah. And let's just really take a look at how we're going to move forward in a way that n- leaves nobody behind. Right. Let's do that.
0: I, I, somewhere along the line, I saw somewhere that there was a project where they were doing like 100%.
2: By North uh, Station, yeah. 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 So, I
0: mean, it's possible. Any, it is possible. Um, yeah. Very I don't interest-
2: think we've reached the point in Massachusetts or definitely not in the greater Boston market where, you know, a too high of an IDP is discouraging developers. They can make so much money in right. our market right now. It's so hot. <laughs> it's, and, it, you know, poor Malden, we don't even have an inclusionary policy. And that, for me, is one of the top things I want to make sure it gets across the finish line when I get elected. But... You know, you need to do, you know, to your point, you need to do more, too. It's That's fine right. to say, okay, we have this policy in place, but 0% of zero production is still zero. So you can put any policy on the books that you want, but if you're not actually trying to make the market do the things that you want it to do, you're not going to get any housing. And that may not be building large buildings anymore. It could be smaller things. It could be subdividing. It could be mm-hmm. accessory dwelling units. You know, In Malden, I would argue that we need a more sensible Airbnb policy. There's lots of little ways.
0: Do you do a, uh, ADUs in, in Malden? We don't.
2: We don't. not Not right now. I think it's an opportunity. We have a, a housing stock that naturally lends itself to that. And it could be an opportunity not just for people starting out to help on their mortgage, but for seniors to take in you know i have i meet a lot of seniors particularly in the uh part of the west end near the train where it's a lot of like old historical victorians and you know people who've taken beautiful care of these homes for years but now can't afford to or don't have the wherewithal or the capacity Being able to have an ADU and, you know, bring in a grad student or bring in really anybody. It could be any segment of the market. Um, It could help them stay in their home, and it could add to the housing stock in Mm. a part that we need. Um, It's it's tough out there, but I think if you're not willing to consider those things, then you're not going to chip away at the problem. It seems so basic and obvious. I don't see why. It's scary for people, though. I think housing issues bring out a lot of fear it that's does. what I've learned oh yeah. it's crazy my,
0: my hometown there's a big controversy we're not going to get into it about <laughs> elderly housing actually but you know it's like I walk dogs for a living mm-hmm. and so I walk by certain houses all the time and there's this little cottage which I always looked at you know among you know these beautiful big homes and I always looked at it and I'm like man that would be so cool to live mm-hmm. in I wonder what that you mm-hmm. know and so all of a sudden there was a a a realtor sign out there Mm. and so i you know on my phone i looked it up and (laughs) just wondering you know like uh, how much how much one room oh no i don't even think it has a parking spot like it has this little thing in the front i don't know if you can park a car never seen a car park there so you may not even have a parking spot (laughs) and there's no overnight parking in certain things you know Mm. certain times of the year Mm -hmm. there so i don't even know if you can live there full time But maybe let's say there is a parking spot. Let's just pretend there is. How much for one room? And on the north shore of Boston in a nice area. Nothing fancy either. Like it's a cottage. Three hundred and nineteen thousand dollars. You know what I mean? I mean it's just like wow.
2: That's wow. (laughs) That's what we're up against. (laughs) It's just like,
0: I I don't think I'd want to actually live there either. I mean, but I don't think I can afford it either. I don't think (laughs) I can
2: afford my own neighborhood anymore. I mean, really. It's (laughs) insane. It It is. is.
0: uh, We we do have a lot of, I wish we could take calls so much today because we have a lot of people listening. Uh, Some comments. People were talking about McCarthy from earlier. (laughs) They're wondering who he was was, uh, stumping for. I forget her name, actually. I don't know. We'll we'll probably... She took second place. Maria. Yeah, Maria is the first name. I forgot her last name, but she took second place in the uh, prelim against uh, Ricardo Arroyo. So it's a contest right now between her, Ricardo Arroyo and Maria. And I don't even want to say her name because I like Ricardo Arroyo. <laughs> That's I'm going right. to keep saying Ricardo Arroyo. That's, he's the guy running in Hyde Park, Roslindale. you got to go vote for him. And he's fam.
1: working really hard, you know? He really He's working hard and... He's having the right conversation, and so, you know.
0: You endorsed him, didn't you? And oh. did he endorse you? You guys are well, buddies, right? I, well,
1: we, we actually are very supportive of each other, and a lot of the organizations have supported us both. That's right. But, you know, we're both running our own races, so in terms of we don't, I don't who am I to be endorsing anybody at this <laughs> point? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just so lucky that I'm even still in the race myself, yeah. let alone trying to act like I can have any clout to endorse anyone. All being. right, all right.
0: Yeah, especially when you're, this is your first race. It's my first race. I've never done this before. Like,
1: (laughs) people didn't even know who I was, (laughs) let alone like, yeah, okay.
0: You've gotten some good endorsements, though. I mean, you've gotten some.
1: Ayanna Presley, Mm. Tito Jackson. um, We've gotten some amazing endorsements. Yeah, I'm feeling incredibly grateful and blessed for the people who are rallying around us and I think that it just goes to speak that you don't have to have a war chest and you don't have to be mm-hmm. someone who is well versed and polished and super, you know, wah wah wah. You know that you could be your true authentic self and still walk into a space and be like, look, this is what is this is what it's like. You don't have to you don't have to be a certain prototype. And I feel like I feel like people are excited about that. And I don't want to be the first, and that's it, you know. I don't want to be the last either, right? And so I feel like I have a sense of responsibility to run this race in a way that's going to inspire other people to step into their power and run for office.
0: That's to be amazing, Ayanna Presley getting her endorsement. I mean, it she's the, the biggest... <laughs> She has to be the biggest rock star politician yes. in Massachusetts at this point. I mean, yes, some people is. may say Charlie Baker, but no, I, I think is. Ayanna's oh. number one by far. You know what?
1: Can I just tell you? I was one of the first five. I think she probably said this to everybody, but I was one of the first five people she called when she decided to run. And I was mm-hmm. in her announcement video oh, wow. when, she first, um, when she first announced. And when she asked me, I'm like, I've been waiting for this. From I can't wait Who for you to run for president. Right. And when she won. You think she will? I hope so. Me too. Yeah, when she <laughs> I, won. I will be all
0: over <laughs> that. Oh, my God. You
1: know, the day after that she won, I announced that I was running. I felt like, you know what? As a as a single mom, as an immigrant, if if Ayana can win, I could mm-hmm. too. I was so inspired by her, you know, and I still continue to be. And then her and Ocasio are my two right. favorites, you yeah, know? I like, they're em. out there causing disruption. They are inspiring. That's like, right. Y- you know,
0: for... It, it is universal, too, for, for I think, especially for people who were like community activists yeah. and you're in your scene because oh, sure. it's just like th- they really get it That's and they right. really are part of us. Like they're mm-hmm. they don't forget, especially Uh-oh. like AOC is like <laughs> she's yeah. amazing. Both of them. I yeah. just love, I love them both. Um, you, someone else would endorse you. Well, you, a lot of our guests coming in have been endorsing you. Yep. We have Lee Nave Jr. Yeah, who uh, he's been on a bunch of times. Yep. He ran in Alston, He's he endorsed you um also uh notorious vog he yeah. loves you as well
1: yeah. monica monica cannon grant endorsed me yeah and i mean, calvin too not yet not yet i don't know i don't i don't think I, i'm not We could get his endorsement yeah, if I, he had you know so what we'll see we about that it. we don't
0: need it <laughs> um
1: no no it's not that i don't need it but i just think that you know that's going to be a hard nut to crack oh I'm, really I'm, you know i'm He's managing my oh. i mean i think he still has some unresolved issues about when i worked in the other space you know oh he, he, uh yeah, the school yeah, schooling you know, the thing we, is, is that can we talk about that? Because yeah, that comes yeah, up yeah, a lot. Yeah. You know, here. it's so funny. is because, you know, I feel like I just got out of jail. Nobody's trying to let me get a job. Like, <laughs> everybody talks about quarry reform. Working in the charter space in many ways has been, like, my core reform issue. Because people fail to realize is that I enter that space as a parent. Right? And you have to understand, when you live in Dorchester, Roxbury, and Mattapan, your options are very limited. Mm-hmm. It's not like I can just move to Jamaica Plain and afford to live there and then send my kid to the school next door. So I think that there's a lot of conversations that we need to have in terms of equity in the education, but you can't keep, you can't keep holding me accountable, right, in that way, and disregarding all the work that I have done since I left that space. And I think that there's some people who still feel a little sour about that. But this is who I am, you know. The one thing that you will know about me is that every space I'm I'm walking into, I'm going to fight for what I believe in, right? Whether we disagree or not, at the end of the day. The, we're having the wrong conversation. Pitting poor black and brown people against each other, Mm -hmm. district versus charter, is the wrong chatter, right? And so I think that Calvin and I still need to have some, some circles, some restorative justice circles around that because he still can't see beyond that and I think that you know at the end of the day you just got to see people for who they are right. and what i've been able to do in the city of boston so right i'm going to be talking to him in a little bit so hopefully cool. he and i can like you know pow wow about that I'm, i'll talk I'm, to I'm, him. I'm, I'm all in for Cause
0: it because i'm all like i love you know i'm all about the public schools yeah you know, versus the charter but i'm all over julia you know for counselor <laughs> you need to get in there i mean there's no doubt about it in my opinion Thank you. We, we want you in there for a variety of issues um we, so, we talked about housing. Let me ask you another question because this has come up a lot in the housing issue. Um, are you renters? Do you own? Because yeah. a lot of <laughs> renters feel like they're not <laughs> having any, you know, say like, that they're, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not like, you know, we own, <laughs> you know. So, like, I'm not saying there's anything against people owning properties. Right. But it seems like majority of these city council boards are always people who own versus renters. Yeah. Do you own a rent? Yep
2: yep i i rented for a long time i do own our house was a foreclosure so we were you know the right age at the right time with the right amount of savings and that's how we got into malden you know our house is worth a lot more now than when we bought it and while i am very fortunate that we have a stable housing situation because this is my my life is working in affordable housing Mm -hmm. you know I see how vulnerable people are. I've, I've had people in my family go through it. I've had strangers that I've met on doors who have frankly asked me for help because they're in their 80s and they're you know having their rent raised and they live two blocks away from me and they don't know where to go and the wait for senior housing is eight, five, nine, ten years. ten years. Yeah, it's, I mean...
0: Depending on where you live and how old really you are. It's really
2: bad and mm-hmm. that's for a Malden resident to get into Malden Priority low-income senior housing. It's still five to eight years. So cl- clearly we are, aren't doing the right Thing or we're not doing enough there. Um, I think for us, you know, our ward, like most of Malden, has a high percentage of renters, and consistently they have told me that they're not uh, reached out to during elections. Mm. So I can't tell you how many times I've knocked someone's door and they say that I'm the first person that's ever knocked yeah. on their door in any race for anything. Mm. Yeah. Um, and these are, you know, people in our voter database—they're they're super voters or the next level down. So these are not disengaged people they are eligible voters they're highly active in local races and no. they're not being reached out to um so we've made a point to you know do a concerted effort to get into the apartments we have renters on our staff who can tell us a little bit more about you know how maybe we need to think differently about doing that outreach um but it's it's a it's a big problem and it's something that i'm trying to be part of the solution to now you say
0: you came from housing i know you have so can you tell people like that maybe i don't know where does where, where your past with the housing and
2: Where In terms of my job? Yes. Yeah, so I am the communications director for MAPC, which is the Metropolitan Area Planning Council. It's a mouthful, um, but it's a regional planning agency that helps 101 cities and towns, including the city of Boston and including Malden, to plan for housing. So we do studies about the market. We tell people where the gaps are in terms of what the affordability is of their housing versus how many jobs they are looking to create. Um, And, you know, just do projections and, and do what we call technical assistance to give People in City Hall, the information they need. Um, We work not just in housing, we do transit advocacy. Um, We work a lot in open space, recreation planning, um, really the full spectrum of urban planning issues. And so I've been there for 11 years. And I'm also on the board of the Asian Community Development Corporation, which builds um, affordable housing in Chinatown, Quincy, and Malden. And I'm also on the board of the Malden Redevelopment Authority.
0: Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Housing's my
1: life. Well, you know, I, um, well, I came to this country when I was five years old, and so my mom and I bounced around. We lived in lots of different spaces, Jamaica Plain, Roxbury, and like five different places in Dorchester until I finally had a place to call my own, and it wasn't until I was in the fifth grade before that was able to happen. So um, my mom was on Section 8, and I'm the person who bought. The triple-decker where she had her Section 8 voucher um, uh, increased the rent to a point where her voucher wasn't going to work. I mean, it wasn't. she wasn't going to be able to make enough money. And I said to my mom, you know what, Mom? I'm going to buy you a house. At the time, I didn't even know what my credit score was. But I just knew that I was not going to allow my mom to have to move to the third floor because he also wanted her to move to the third floor. She was on the first. And I said, I'm going to buy a house. I didn't know how. I didn't know when, I don't know where, I didn't know how I was gonna do this, but I, I had to take out my entire four hundred one K um mm. to be able to do that. And so we bought a two family and so my mom lives next door, my brother and I share the other side with our kids, and so that was the only way we were able to buy in the city of Boston and stay here. Um so and that just happened recently, right? So it's not like I've been I've been a I've been a, a renter. Right. So to be able to be the first in my family, though, to be able to buy a house mm. um, speaks volumes to the amount of work that we need to do because you should not have to be in your 40s to be, able to be able to afford to buy, right? And one of the reasons why I'm proposing that we um, educate young people in high school about pathways to home ownership, right? That so we don't have to wait. Um, we need to start planting those seeds earlier on because, you know, being a lifetime renter, is a lifetime sentence, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so educating people at a younger age about home ownership opportunities, I think, is one of the things that I definitely yeah. want to push in the Boston Public Schools.
2: And we know it works, I will say, from my role on the ACDC board, yeah. we do a lot of first-time buyer education. Mm-hmm. The rate of, of people who go on to actually purchase their first home is amazing. Yeah. I mean, so that but there's a gap in that education. Nobody's right. providing that. Yeah, so that's one um, of the
1: things that I definitely want to push for um but again you know being a, being a homeowner is is a blessing and i understand and recognize my own privilege i know i talk a lot about privilege i think it's important for people when they have a privilege to also acknowledge it i know but there's a lot of people who can't even afford to live in, in boston let alone to do it in the way that we have been able to do which is the entire family all living in one place cuz i'm a single mom mm-hmm. my daughters with my mom right now and so you know that's how things used to be back in the day, right? It was like intergenerational mm-hmm. housing. Yeah. I think that. You know, there are a lot of elders who are living by themselves right now. There are yeah. a lot of college students who can't afford to live in the city of Boston. What opportunities can we can we create to create you know for people to be able to co-house together? Yeah.
0: That makes so much sense. Those the, those what do we call those again? We said it earlier. The, oh, the, oh u- the ADUs. Yeah, ADUs. Yeah, accessory dwelling. Well, I mean,
1: cause can, so you, like can you, can you define what ADU yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. an accessory
2: dwelling unit could be like when you build an in-law suite or um, building a unit over your garage. Or it's usually in the existing footprint of the home, so it's just a creative way of reusing the existing house to house more than just a single-family right. situation. ADU? ADU, ADU yeah. ADU is, which like is, that. you know, which
0: is... I learned something new every yeah. yeah. day. Yeah. Salem I
2: mean actually just tried to do this. It yeah, did, it did not down. pass. Which I, oh I was really hoping it would go through and it could be a nice model yeah. for Malden. But there's there's so many it different things. They they
1: emball- I'm, I'm embarrassed to even I, ask I'm the question. I'm not sure they do.
2: I'm actually not sure. I'm, I'm glad know. that
1: no one's sure because that would be really h- embarrassing h- if <laughs> you guys knew yeah. and I didn't. I have to research that. Tanya, look into that. They're
2: huge in the Pacific Northwest. They're In other parts of the country, they are like a go to solution and they just haven't really caught caught on here. So it makes so
0: much sense. I mean, for, yeah. like you said out I, like I, I walk dogs for a living you know yeah. how many customers i've had who were single elderly women yeah. who who their kids are worried about them i
1: know yeah. and
0: i'm kind of like their almost caretaker like in mm-hmm. a way like or my girlfriend like we yeah. just really like see this all the time now and and oftentimes there is a, a you know someone that moves in yeah. a child that takes care of them yeah. yep. and it would be nice if they did you know like when we moved in we we did the, we actually did this for our mother-in-law yep. and it would have been nice if we could have had a like a little little bit of separation just yeah. a little bit of privacy bit of it, you know right? what i mean but it is what it is yeah. but but this makes so much sense too for like what we what you were just mm. mentioned when you know maybe the dog walker now wants to move in yeah. and, right. and yeah. work full time there or the neighborhood kid or the college kid yeah. I mean, where, where I live, there's a college right next door. It would make so much <laughs> sense for a lot of these elderly folks yep. where their kids are out of state and they're 80, 90 years old and they do need some help, but yeah. they don't want to go to assisted living. They want to stay in their home.
2: That's yeah, cool. this is it's going to be a, a generational shift that's happening that I think we need to really get a handle on, and this could be part of that solution
0: absolutely and we have two great guests uh, you guys you ladies i should say uh, julia and amanda awesome uh, Ju- uh julia is running obviously julia for boston on facebook she's running uh for city councilor at large in boston amanda's uh linehan is running uh for more ward- Malden ward 3 on facebook you can find uh, both of them they're on twitter as well um i'm sure we have other questions too I want to ask a few other questions, like individual, like kind of like speed round since we're running out of time here. But um, (laughs) like one, there's Malden, it keeps coming up because I'm in some of these Malden groups and see some of the stuff going on. Artificial turf versus grass on this field. What is that about?
2: Yeah, it, this has been sort of the surprise issue of the election cycle. There's a field in the in kind of the middle part of the city that is in um, what I would call an environmental justice community, which is an area of high need in terms of lower income, linguistic isolation, um, you know, lack of access to open space. It's adjacent to one of our largest K to eight schools, and there has been a proposal on the table to redo the field from live grass to artificial turf Uh, and it you know has basically overtaken everybody's election cycle this year it's a tough issue because it's in a flood plain and so it's an area where the natural grass is flooding a lot and the kids at the school aren't able to use it for recess every day and you know recesses a huge issue. I mean, I have a six-year-old in the public schools in Malden, and they get 15 minutes, and half the time the fields aren't in good shape at all. The schools, and so you know, you want the kids to be able to get outside and do, be outdoors, have a field that's usable. Um, and so I think there's been a very well-intentioned effort to try to make the field more usable by replacing the grass that floods with turf. Um, but for very understandable reasons, the neighborhood feels like they're getting um, an, an artificial product. When there's live grass there now and that for climate change reasons urban heat island effects um, and just social justice it's not what the community wants Um, so my personal feeling is that it's a huge lesson for the city and how they do outreach to the schools i think you know the neighborhood and the school community there feels like they weren't listened to and that to me is the key takeaway here regardless of what ends up being feasible at the school because i do think it is a complex you know, the drainage is very complex. It's very expensive to redo it. It may work to be able to restore grass, and it it may not. And if that doesn't work, my personal feeling is that we should look for a more natural turf, like a geofill that's coconut, or there's all kinds of different things that you can look at that are in between. It's not plastic, but it's not uh, straight up live grass. Um, But for me, the main thing is that we need to do better as a city doing outreach to the schools when something's going to affect, you know, children in that way.
0: Perfect. Now, Julia, uh, recently there's been a a story about the body cameras on the Boston police being turned off during a rally, a a protest for the straight fry. Did you hear about this? And the reason why the the cameras were, the Boston police body cameras were turned off is because it was overtime. Anytime that they do overtime, extra shifts, they they don't have to have their body cameras on.
1: No, they should have those body cameras on all day, every day, period. End of story. There's nothing else to say about that
0: excellent a good way getting more into law enforcement <laughs> ice there's a big story that came out about ice this week oh. about ice and boston police and how boston...
1: those two things should not mix period and the story how, i just feel like st- <laughs> i just feel like those things yeah. are like um are no brainers right with the fact right. that we we're having this conversation is right. like ridiculous they Um, body cam should be on at all times. We fought for that to happen and we we came for it and so let's use them. Um, and then, you know, as I mentioned, my mom was undocumented for a period of time. So there are a lot of parents that I work with today who are undocumented and are afraid. And you can't send your kids to school when you're worried about whether or not they're going to come back home. Mm -hmm. Right? So I think that, um, the mayor apparently, I I, according to the article, there was some question as to wh- how much he knew or did not know allegedly about the situation. And I think that, you know, the BPD engaging in conversations with ICE is just inappropriate and it just breaks the what trust. What happens
0: when they come back and say, when it's a violent person, we need to we need to talk to ICE. You know, they, they've they helped us get criminals off, you know, cause no, because. No, kind of because then that's back.
1: that's how that's the first. First, they come for them. Then they'll come for me and then they'll come for you and then there'll be nobody left to stand up to take care of us right so i think that that narrative is, is just not gonna fly over with me
0: awesome I, another reason why i think people should <laughs> is check out your candidacy support you julia for boston on facebook on twitter on instagram everywhere mm-hmm. uh, we also have amanda linehan for malden ward three and you're on Facebook? Yeah, I know Amanda from Alden. Amanda from Alden. And are you uh, anywhere else? Are you on Twitter and those other places? I, I
2: have a, a personal profile on Twitter and Instagram that is heavily political, so you could definitely check that out. It's A.M. Linehan on both
0: accounts. Cool. I will definitely check that out if I'm not already... Trolling. Following. Yeah. He's a troll. Tro- I, he's I tro- might <laughs> troll. <laughs> tro- <laughs> yeah. like a little bit sometimes. Yeah, you oh, you <laughs> found that out? No, no. <laughs> I told you. you. I
1: know, you, i you never seen you troll.
0: No? Well, I don't you know. Maybe you troll
1: in the dress and in, in the disguise no. of a troll. No. I don't know. But Calvin <laughs> <How, laughs> be trolling. Howie, <laughs> how
0: we ask Howie Carr if I like troll him. No. He blocked me. Who did? Howie Carr.
1: Oh. Yeah. On Twitter. On On Twitter. It's okay.
0: It's not the first time I've been blocked by a right wing maniac, local maniac.
1: I've blocked people
0: you do I've blocked yeah.
1: mm. I've blocked someone who I was like oh no you're
0: so toxic I block people all the time mm-hmm. I get rid of them too like mm. I, you know sometimes I'm just like I don't want to look at their stuff or really absorb my well, energy I, or I don't even want to get in an argument with them sometimes that's yeah. such it's a to waste save of us. energy it's yeah. a
2: complete waste of your energy
1: emotional waste mm-hmm.
0: uh, I give out a phone number but it's not working right now Six one seven seven zero two two five four two. I will anyways, just cuz I want people to put it in their phone cuz since we changed phone numbers, we're, we haven't gotten as many calls. I know that. Hmm. So get those. And that every time we've changed our number, that's what's happened. you, well, you, you got to get it. Well, you're not paying
1: your phone bill? Why do you keep changing your phone number? <laughs> what's know. going I, on with that? I don't
0: control that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> my, my personal phone number has been the same it's for okay, 20 good. years. All right. Only so oh, two. At least, if not like 30, I've had the same number yeah, since 1999. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know why. They, you'd 20 have years. to ask the. You know what, Julia? You know what I'm going to do? Have put you in charge. of dealing with the Tele- pr- production, and yeah. you can. I could. I, I used I to work
1: wanna, at MTV. I could. Yeah, you I could. could totally you could whip me. them into shape. That's right. That would be the next job that I take on. <laughs> the next battle. <laughs> Thank
0: you. That would. I, you got bigger things to do though. Yeah, that's right. You gotta get, we we need you to uh, reign in Martin Walsh. That's what.
1: You know, someone said in the VOG show that I'm going to be to Marty Walsh what Ayana is to Trump.
0: I think maybe. That's what I would, I, I actually said that to someone privately this week. I would say, imagine what you would do to Marty Wash. But
1: I think Michelle Wu is doing that too, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, she so is. So we already have somebody, and you know, it's not about being an agitator, but I just think like, you know, I I supported Marty in 2013, right? And everyone thought I worked for him because I was the super volunteer. I'd never been so engaged and, and they're like, oh, let's elect someone. But I was really drawn to his story, you know, being the son of immigrants, you know, growing up in Dorchester that whole narrative um, and having some friends who knew him too. But I just, um, I haven't, you know, over the last few years, I've been really disappointed in a lot of the things that have come out of City Hall. And I just don't feel like we're acting with a sense of urgency around some of the issues. And I just feel like, you know, there's lots of great intention, but I just think that the impact of those intentions are not just manifesting in ways that we like to see.
0: I agree. I I mean, we could continue on some of them. But we're out of time, but yeah. Operation Clean Sweep. I know. I mean. It's so uh,
1: inhumane, right? You don't throw away people like that. You just don't. Um,
0: especially when he comes from that addiction space where he's supposed to care about yeah. that issue. Mm-hmm. That that just, I, I don't get it, that at all. No. But, uh, yeah, we, we don't want to spend any more time on Marty Walsh. He's not up for re-election until 20, 2021. Yeah. 2021. Yeah, a couple of years. Yeah. He had a lot he, of work to do. He's going to have a tough time.
1: Yeah, I may run for mayor just to Yeah. Just to like there we go. just to like <laughs> <You> <laughs> agitate people even more. <laughs> Imagine that. I'd be yeah. that candidate. I'm just running just to Yeah. And don't right. you
2: feel like as a as a woman running you get called an agitator when you know you've just brought up something really intelligent that needed that's to be right. said. That's right. Don't call me an agitator when I just schooled you on something. That's right, that's right. <laughs> you better take us seriously.
0: I'm yeah. I noticed that a lot lately yeah. too. Like that's just kind of a yeah. something not right. Mm hmm. And, and I'm seeing it more and more, especially on the social media.
1: hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm Latina. Right. So then I'm the agitator and they and then I'm also aggressive. Right. Of because course. I tend to be overly passionate when I speak. So everybody thinks I'm ready to fight. I'm like, we're good. <laughs> I'm not trying to fight you. I'm just speaking passionately. And so I've, that's one of the things that I've learned or at least mm-hmm. I've tried to learn as I run for office is like, how do I balance myself? In a way that I don't leave myself at the door to make other people feel comfortable, but how can I be my true, authentic self? Mm-hmm. I'm still learning that though. I don't yeah. think I'm, I'm ready to leave myself at the door yet.
2: But that's what people respond to, right? right? So that's what you owe voters.
1: That's right.
0: We're just checking comments. You know, I, see. Writing, I, I, I <laughs> see some Julia from Boston comments. Good. People are <laughs> up, yeah, from Lee, from Shakira.
1: Oh, yeah, Shakira's story, Shakira story. What's, what's up? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So, yeah, we got some uh, folks listening and checking it out. Not too many questions, though. That's I mean, good. we got a, so many. Uh, you know what it always happens too though, is after it shuts down and I see all the questions that come yeah. I don't know why Facebook does that. Because I and we do. We still have a lot of listeners. You ladies are bringing an audience today. That's right. We should have you back every week.
1: That's right.
0: We'll just sit here. We don't even. We'll just keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> we,
1: actually, I would. Do you have to go? No, no, no. I would love to. I think this is one of the reasons why I'm running, right, is because elected officials usually just campaign during election time and then we don't see them anymore. That's right. I'd love to be invited back.
0: Oh, definitely. After
1: I win, because I'm speaking it into existence, right? And so I think that we have an opportunity to really change the way we do business. And I think coming back on a regular basis Mm. to do updates and here's where we're at, here's what we need, and really bringing that community organizing into the space is I'd love an invitation back.
0: I would love to have you back. Even if I don't and win, and I want to come back, yeah, too, because i got are some, I I some work <laughs> to do. We're going <laughs> to say that. We, you are going to win. I like that positivity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I wouldn't bet against you. I'm I'm not a betting person, yeah. but if I had to bet, I would not bet against you. You know? Yeah. I mean, you, I, I see what's going on. Uh, we're the Young Jerks. We're going to be here next Sunday at 5 p.m. You can follow us on Twitter at the Young Jerks. Uh, you can also... Follow us on iTunes and all those other places. Yeah. We, we post the uh, podcast too. If you if you missed anything, you want to listen to it later. Yeah. it will be up on our podcast later today, uh, later tonight on our iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play. You can review us, like us there. I also want to mention before we leave, I'm gonna the last thing I'm gonna do um, is let you both kind of give a, a closing pitch on why people mm-hmm. should support you, check you out, give you money. I know money does make a difference, um, but. Before we do that, I want to mention cannabis because cannabis (laughs) is always a big issue here for me and the show and our audience. Really, I couldn't tell. (laughs) Yeah, could you smell it on me?
1: Yeah, no, I'm just saying that it's like
0: (laughs) it's my cologne.
1: It's all about you. Yeah, it is. You're (laughs) Mike.
0: My My can. can. That's what I was forever. (laughs) But now, Mike Crawford, you can still call me Mike Can. But um, (laughs) you know, um, cannabis is the big issue for a lot of us patients, and there's this vape ban and. All this other crap going on, people are upset about. So I want to just mention we will be uh, doing much more on that on the show as well. Yeah. I know people are interested. But uh, where where are you both? Just so people know, because like a lot of our audience, that's like cannabis. I know that you're definitely. I'm supporting. Yes. Mm.
2: Yeah. yeah, same. And, and so did Malden. And I think, you know, we're partway through our licensing process right now. And I'm excited about most of the applicants that we have coming in.
0: Good. Yeah, And so Malden is going to have recreational cannabis, hopefully, at least they're considering it. Yeah,
2: for sure. To... And I think, um, you know, we have a good a good group that's kind of vetting the proposals. And I think, I think we should keep our eye on the goal, which is to get a solid, you know, location, not get hung up on things like parking, traffic, fears, and do an effective community outreach process when we get to that phase. That'll set us up for success, and then everybody wins.
0: Now, I uh, saw so Neil Kinnon, who I think is a, just a jerk. That's all I'm <laughs> gonna say about, it. he's just a jerk. But he said something crazy like, uh, Malden's gonna set up a marijuana mile or something. like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I you're... mean, I,
2: you know, if I could have changed anything about Malden, I think it would be that we would have designated our zones a little bit faster and, and not gotten beaten to the punch by some of the surrounding communities. That's limited a little bit where we've decided to zone for cannabis. Um, but at the same time, I actually don't think there's anything wrong with the places that we've landed with, and a lot of them are very close to the T, which I think makes a lot of sense for us. And, you know, I, I think that if we have a good process, and I, I'm very optimistic about how it's going to go from here. If anything that he says that I don't agree with, I feel like I'm on, in the right place. I do, too. Ooh. Anytime. <laughs> if he's bringing up your
0: name or anything, it's like, oh, good. It's like
2: free publicity is how <laughs> yeah. I look at it. <laughs> free
0: publicity, the, 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 the the local jerk in the city <laughs> he really is and i don't mean like a young jerk like we are like you know, <laughs> young jerks oh i hate them no he's an actual real real jackanopes
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> well I, I mean the whole uh malden marijuana mile sounds intriguing i mean like you get it's like it's a mall it's I like wish. a mall a, I, mar- a, mar- mar- a marijuana mall yeah. imagine that like Gee, i wish you know, I I'm, I'm just saying there's something for everyone. Don't they <laughs> know we you live know, in <laughs> Massachusetts <laughs> like, come on. You really? like, I just worry one of the things that I um I've been hearing from some folks is that you know, it's really around the equity piece is making sure that who's opening up these dispensaries, it's really equitable and that, you know, we went we got locked up for it now everybody's making millions off of it and so mm-hmm. we just want to make sure that in the city of Boston, we don't lose sight of what that looks like. Um so yeah. Tito Jackson uh, all see, day, every day. Have
0: you seen in Cambridge they're doing a lawsuit against the city? Have you uh-huh. seen or heard about that? No. Uh, the city uh, in Cambridge, last thing, I guess we'll leave it on before we have your closing statements here, but the city of Cambridge uh, passed a two-year priority economic oh, yeah, empowerment. Uh, yeah, yep. And the dispensaries that are existing there... That aren't going to get to open over the next two years I, one of them is now suing the city of Cambridge mm. about it mm. and from what I hear there's gonna be a little protest a little rally to oh. be announced uh, some you know major people are working on something and
1: just pass the pass past like they say pass mm-hmm. the Gunja to the left- hand side just pass on the license to <laughs> the equity situation and just keep it moving yeah. take a hit literally
0: mm-hmm. yeah and I don't get it too because you know it's like you have your medical license mm-hmm. like you made all your money like why do you have to be greedy? You're going to get mm. to open eventually. That's right. Mm-hmm. I hope the city, like, uh, when they do open, I hope they, like, show up every single week and give them inspections. <laughs> 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 pay back, man.
1: <laughs> oh, you're in the wrong industry. You well, that's why I'm not ready right. for office. Uh, yeah. I'm in the right place. I throw, all I do is throw bombs. Yeah, yeah. Verbal bombs the every week. Thrower throw her here. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's good, we need we need both inside yeah. and outside That's strategy. right that's, absolutely
0: that's, yep, that's I tried to be a politician with uh cannabis. I was Ooh. like the president of MassCan. can mm. <laughs> that was it. that was as far as my politics <laughs> being a board member in an organization that uh had yearly elections that's you do become a politician yeah, yeah. yeah. no more <laughs> no more my my election now is if people are listening and checking us out which they are, so yep. I want to thank you both up. Uh, yep. Let's, let's, why should people vote for you both? Do
1: you want me to go first? Yeah, sure, which one? You so, I mean, I think for me, it's just time to have a, a voice inside city government that is unbought, unbossed. I mean, like literally, I go into spaces and I just, I'm always going to speak the truth, right? And I'm not going to, I'm going to be unapologetic about the things that are important to the city of Boston. And I think that as an immigrant, as a single mom, For me, I live these realities. I didn't read about it in a textbook. I didn't read about it in the newspaper. Like everything that I'm talking about, I've lived. And so lived experience does matter, but also being able to organize people and create spaces for folks who have been left out of every conversation is what I believe is the organizing model that I want to bring into city government. And I think that that type of um, policymaking is what's missing um, is with the voices of the people. And I think that I'm unapologetic about who I am and how I, I show up, and I think that um, I couldn't, I'm, it's not about being just a community organizer, you know, um, I, I'm the executive director of a nonprofit organization, um, I've done a lot of work in the city of Boston, this is not just another career track, this is just an opportunity to take the work to another level, and I believe that I'm the missing link, and I also believe that we need a little bit of sass and a little bit of flavor inside city government, and ah. I think that I bring it. I bring that sass and that <laughs> fire, and I'm not to say I'm gonna burn it down, but I definitely know that I'm ready to, you know, um, shake it up. And so I want to do that. I want the opportunity to go on the inside and bring the people in, and bring the out, and bring the outside in and the inside out in I ways that. that we haven't seen.
0: I love that, Julia, for Boston.
1: That's right. And November fifth is the election. I'm number four on the website, and we are running a grassroots campaign. Mm. So please consider making a donation. On our website, www.juliaforbossing.com, we need volunteers. Like, This is an opportunity for us to shift the narrative and how we do business in Boston, so I need my peoples to come out and open up there. Whether you live in Boston or not, I'll take a donation. Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) And door knocking.
1: And door knocking, which is my favorite part of the job that I
0: have. I see you all doing that every day. I love door door knocking. It's my favorite project. I mean,
1: my favorite part of this project that we have is Door knocking. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, cool. Thank you for Thank having you. me. Thank, Thank, you. You, Thank you. Thank you, Julia. Thank you.
2: Great. Um, so I am running for again the Malden Ward 3 City Council seat. Uh, I'm running because I love Malden and Malden's changing, and it's time that we had a change in our politics, too. Uh, I'm a mom. I am a homeowner. I am public school parent I come from a proud union household and my background is working in affordable housing transportation climate justice and you know I do communications for a living and that's really what I want to bring to the council Um, I have a vision where Malden is a place where everybody's voice is listened to where communication happens in a way that people feel welcomed and included Uh, we've been walking the walk with our campaign. We translate materials. We have people door knocking in languages other than English. We're reaching out to homeowners and renters. We're meeting people where they are because we're trying to change the way things have always been done. Mm. You know, Malden deserves someone who will work as hard as they're working every day. And that's what I pledge to do. We've knocked 6,000 doors since we joined the race eight months ago. Um, we have, you know, all small local donations. I'm actually a public employee, so I cannot ask for money. Um, you can visit my website, amandalinehan.org.
0: I'll tell people you should give money to Amanda <laughs> Linahan. Thank and you. And you should also give money for, to Julia.
2: Yes, oh. I mean, we, you know, we're both in the home stretch here. Yeah. There's just a week, a little more than a week left. I would say, as much as the money, it's the volunteers. You know, we need GOTV help. We need people out knocking on doors, dropping literature, holding signs, making those calls i would say if anybody feels connected to the vision that both of us have laid out here then i know we can both use the help and you know I'll, I'll echo what julia said it doesn't matter if you live in Malden, i would love to help you learn how to do campaign work we can train you if you want to take a turf that's how i got into it someone pulled me in and it's super fun you get to meet people you get to learn how to talk about politics and i really believe it'll give you hope for the future you know most people on doors are really really interested in what we want to talk about they share that vision the the response has been awesome and i just can't wait to get started so i hope people vote i know that i'll work as hard for you as um i'm i've promised to and november 5th is election day and see you at the polls
0: i hope so i hope you both win i wish you the best of luck november 5th uh, in malden in boston uh, Amanda, uh, we didn't even mention, because every time Malden comes up, you probably know what I'm going to bring up, right, on this show? Do you?
2: I don't know. If it's not Neil Kinnon, then I don't know what's well, coming next. Well, we said next. one name. If that <laughs> Neil Kinnon, who's
0: the opposite of him in Cambridge? I mean, in Malden. The Who, opposite. Yeah, okay. kind of. Who's uh, Warren? Yes, there you go. I I was like, we're I gonna have to we give were another gonna do hint. A shout out to Warren at some Whoa. point. <laughs> Warren Lynch who used to be our little sidekick on the show. Uh, yeah, for sure. Who does all kinds of stuff in Walden? Malden people know him. He's a he's a target.
2: <laughs> you know, again, I think people who are. Who, Warren is a net positive for Malden people who bring up issues that nobody else is willing to talk about, Mm. you know, we need to go there in, in, in every city right now. These, these are serious times as much as we joke and, you know, say that things are changing and we need to elect, you know, new leaders that, that, local politics is where it happens and it flows up from there. And I can't tell you how many people have told me that this is the first time they're going to vote because Mm -hmm. we came to them and nobody either, nobody has asked them before, or they've realized thanks to Trump, how important it is to realize what's going on right in your neighborhood. And, you know, people like Warren, even people like Neil, you know, they bring up things that people maybe on the other side of the aisle don't want to talk about, but we need to be having those right, conversations. Conversation. Absolutely. You know, and the
0: thing about Warren too, I'm gonna to give Warren some great credit too. Uh, which we didn't even mention today, lead pipes in Malden. Yeah. He's the first one I ever heard that about. He wrote mm-hmm. a story. We had him submit a story to Dick Boston. It's a big it's issue huge. in Malden now in the campaigns and yep. the mayor's race. And first guy I heard talking about it was Warren Lynch.
2: Yeah, mm. and to his credit, I mean, it's a it's a big issue, I think, among people with small children for obvious reasons because mm-hmm. the effects of lead poisoning cannot be reversed. They're devastating neurologically. Um, but if, if not for people like Warren pushing that, I don't actually think it would be as big of a topic in the campaign cycle as it is right now, it, even as serious an issue as lead pipes are. Um, and mm-hmm. so credit to him and others who have really pushed that.
0: Definitely. Um, with the Young Jerks, I'm Mike Crawford. I want to thank all of our listeners today. We had a good amount of listeners, a lot of comments online, people checking in, people watching, um, and I want to thank especially our guests. Uh, I want to thank Mason behind the board here. Did a good job yeah. for filling in.
1: Good job. Thank you. Thank you. rolling
0: with the punches, and the phone issue wasn't even his fault, too, so I want to make sure people know that. Mason, <laughs> yeah. Mason did a really good job today. Thank you, Mason. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes. thank you for having us. And yep. thank you thank for you. coming, Julia uh, Mahia.
1: Yes.
0: And Amanda Linehan. Uh, Julia is running, for, again, for Boston City Councilor at Large. Uh, you can find her on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you, you're on your social media. She also got a website.
1: Yep, Ju- www.juliaforboston.com.
0: And Amanda, Amanda Linehan running for Malden Ward 3. Thank you so much for thank coming you. in. Thank you. And you have a website, too. Yep. AmandaLinehan.org. Social- thank you. Uh, we the Young Jerks. We'll be back next Sunday, 5 p.m. I'm not sure what we're doing yet. It, you know, it will be something good. We didn't really tell you too much about this week either. so, And it was awesome.
2: It was. It was. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So come back next Sunday, 5 p.m., and watch us. Thank you to all our listeners, supporters, uh, and all the candidates too, folks like you who come in every week. You know, this show, yes. the reason we can do it is because the reason why I'm still doing it is because of the campaigns. That's like honestly, right. when we you. started this, there weren't candidates like this. Yeah. You know, we you. we'd find one candidate to vote for and we'd get excited. Yeah. Now they're everywhere, and that's, that's right. why I tell people there are actually people to vote for. Don't tell that's me right. there aren't people to vote for. Mm-hmm. That's right. We mm-hmm. bring them every week right here. That's right. Vote, support, canvas, do everything you can to get them elected. Young jerks will be back next week. Mike Crawford. Thank
2: you. Thank, Thank you. you.
0: Looking to promote and advertise your brand, product, your cannabis business, or even a political campaign locally in Massachusetts? Consider the Young Jerks. We have a weekly live streaming show and a podcast that reaches thousands of people every single week in Massachusetts, and a lot of them are the top tastemakers and policy makers in cannabis in Massachusetts, from CEOs to bud tenders. To politicians, to elected leaders. That's our audience. If you're lo- looking to reach that audience, C underscore one hundred at hotmail.com.